Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 5, please. Galatians chapter 5. And I also want you to turn over to Psalm, the book of Psalm 16, and hold your place in both of these spots. And we continue tonight in our study in the book of Galatians. Mike, can you turn these other lights on? Mike, these ones over here on this side. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. It's the old eyes. Got to have as much light as possible. All right. So we're continuing in our study here tonight in the book of Galatians. And we're in this portion of of chapter 5 that's really talking about the fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And the fruit of the Spirit is set in contrast to the works of the flesh, which we saw uh, in verses 13 and following where Paul says in verse 15, talking about those in the churches of Galatia biting and devouring one another, uh, being in danger of consuming, destroying one another, how they, how they used their, their words and how they spoke with one another. And then he talks about in verse 16, walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then he lists the lust of the flesh for us in verses 19 through 21. And he says, this is what your flesh looks like. This is what your life is going to look like with these things in it when your flesh controls you. In contrast to that, here's what your life will look like if the Spirit of God is controlling you. And they look completely different. And so we're in this section now where when you, we examine the fruit of the Spirit and what we need to do is look at our own life and we need to ask ourselves and ask the Lord, is this what my life looks like? Does the Spirit of God actually control me? Are these elements in my life? And the truth of the matter is that's what Christian character ought to look like in the Christian's life. It's Christ-like. And so we're in this section here talking about the fruit of the Spirit in the life of the believer. And this is what our life ought to look like. Last week we talked about love. That's the first one on the list. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And we said that love was divine concern for others. Love, God's love, is not something that is self-generated. We can't produce that uh, because the Bible tells us that God is love. And we noted that it's the very first thing in the list which is set in contrast to Paul saying that you're biting and devouring one another, not showing any kind of godly love uh, for each other. And we talked about how God is love, and love begins with Him, and there is no true love without Him unless you know Him. You've got to be saved, you've got to be filled with the Spirit, and that produces God's love working through God's people. And so we also talked about that love is fulfilling of God's law. God's law, divine law, concerning others, other people. And by fulfilling God's law, as we interact in how we treat others and love others, we're proving and demonstrating our love for the Lord, actually, because Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And so that's where we've been with this. And tonight we're going to consider the second one, the fruit of the Spirit, joy. 
love and joy. Now go over to Psalm 16. How'd you hold your place there? In Psalm 16, and I want you to look at verse 11 with me. Psalm 16 and verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. The Bible tells us, and we'll get back to this in a little while, that in the Lord's presence is the fullness of joy. In our world today, a lot of people aren't happy. I think a lot of Christian people aren't happy. We're looking for fulfillment. People look for fulfillment and joy in their life and can't seem to find it. The unsaved world, they go to the elements of the world, and you could list any one of the things that people might find themselves you know, addicted to or because they're searching for something and they're trying to find fulfillment in all the wrong places. And afterwards, they still feel emptiness in their soul, and so they go back to do it again. And for a short time, they find this pleasure or they find this what they might call happiness or joy, but then it, it runs out and they've got to do it all over again. But all too often, saved people are looking for joy and fulfillment in their life in the wrong places as well. Selfish living as a Christian will never bring happiness. Gaining of things, material things, temporal things in this life will never bring joy to the child of God. It's not possible to do. In this life, uh, the temporal, the, the, that which is material and that which is temporal is going to burn up. It's going to fade away. It will never fulfill the, the life of a child of God. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is joy. The thing that people want, the thing that we, we desire, ha happiness and joy in our life, that only comes from the Spirit of God. And so we're going to look at this tonight, and let's just, let's just define the word first before we dig into a couple other passages of Scripture. The word here, joy, a fruit of the Spirit is joy. It means cheerfulness, it means delight, it means gladness or exceeding gladness or glee. That's the definition of the word. And so we have glee, we have rejoicing, we have gladness, we have cheerfulness. It's all associated with this word joy. So what the Spirit of God produces in the life of a believer is gladness, cheerfulness, rejoicing. You following this? This is the, are you, are you, okay, are you following this? Let's all wrap our heads around this here, all right? The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Here's the definition of it. It's cheerfulness, it's delight, it's gladness, it's exceeding gladness, rather. It's, it's uh, rejoicing. Those, that's the definition of the word. So what the Spirit of God produces, when the Spirit of God is in control in the life of a believer and we're walking in the Spirit... It produces glee, gladness, rejoicing, cheerfulness, all those things. Question, is that what your life looks like? Okay, are, are, are everybody got this now? Everybody following along? Is that the description of your life? 
We're commanded to walk in the Spirit, correct? It's a command of God, walk in the Spirit. And you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh are all these other things over here that don't look anything like what the Spirit of God produces. And the Spirit of God produces cheerfulness. It produces gladness. It produces rejoicing in the life of a believer. Is that a description of your life? Now, let's consider some things that can cause joy to be gained in our life. First of all, joy begins with knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior. Amen? Amen. Romans chapter 5. Let's just look at a couple of passages here. And we'll move on. But Romans chapter 5, in verse 11. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. All right, so Paul says that we joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we've been saved, we've been born again. Acts chapter 16, we're here close by. Turn back to Acts chapter 16 and verse 34. The Bible says, And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all his house. And what was the definition of the word? Joy, rejoicing, cheerfulness, gladness. And we find here uh, a man who had been born again, and he was rejoicing in God because of his salvation. So after becoming a Christian, then then what? Is that the end of it all? Is, is that the, the, the joy that we have in our life? Or is there more going on here that God wants for our life? Our joy is fulfilled, our joy in the fullness of joy comes by hearing and obeying the Word of God. Now, there are certain things that we can do as saints of God that, that will bring joy into our life. And I want you to look at some of the things that the Bible says will cause us to have joy. In Acts chapter 20, since we're here, just a couple pages over. Acts chapter 20 and verse... 35, Paul is talking to the, the Ephesian elders. He calls the elders, the pastors of the church at Ephesus together. He's talking to them, and he reminds them in verse uh, 35, he says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. All right, so we're going to talk about this just for a second, uh, that, that being a giver is something that, uh, that enables or causes us to have joy in our life. Now, what is the work of the flesh? It's the total opposite. It's self-centered, right? It's self-seeking. But to give is something that is denying self and doing it for others. And the Bible tells us, and Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And the Bible tells us that giving liberally is something that actually causes joy in our life. I want you to go to, to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 with me and just look at an example of this. And I'm just going to hit some example things. We're not going to spend time dissecting a lot of this because I want to get to where we're really going. But these are things that cause joy to be gained in the life. And we're, we're contrasting that with the self-serving life that will never bring joy. That's the flesh. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, the context here is in giving. 
And Paul is talking to the churches, and it's regarding the offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. But notice this, he says in verse 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. He says, I want you to know about the grace of God that was bestowed on these churches in Macedonia. And here's why, because in verse 2, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. He's talking about giving. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. Paul's talking about here, and he's talking to the church at Corinth. He says, I want you to know about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. They were poor. They were impoverished. They were persecuted. They were all of these things. But in the middle of their deep poverty, they were joyful in giving what they had to help the poor saints of Jerusalem. And they didn't just give their money. They gave their lives to the Lord. And so in their poverty, their liberal giving beyond their ability was something that brought joy in their life. You know what? Just a side note here, just thought of it. When we're stingy with what God has blessed us with, and we hoard it for ourselves, because we think, what's, we th I need this because it's, I need it to take care of myself, and we think it's really going to make me happy to accumulate this. We'll never ever find the thing we're looking for, but you know what? And we liberally give it away. God has blessed me with this, and now I'm going to bless somebody else, or I have the means to do it. I'm going to give. There's something that fills the soul with joy when you know God used you. And it's not just money. It's not just monetary. It could be your time. It could be your talent. It could be, it could be what you have in this life. Just giving it to bless somebody else. There's something that's very fulfilling about that. Brings joy into the life. God said it would. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 23 speaks of giving a word in due season as something that brings joy. Proverbs 15, 23, a man hath joy by the answer of his mouth and a word spoken in due season. How good is it? That's another thing that can cause joy in the life of a Christian. Speaking a word in due season, being used of God to encourage somebody else. The Bible talks about godly children, raising a family and having godly children is something that brings joy in this life. Proverbs 23, 24, the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. Amen. What a blessing. Certainly seeing the lost come to Christ and God using you to make that difference in somebody else's life 
is something that causes joy. Psalm 126 and verse 5, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The Bible talks about in Luke, joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. Have you ever experienced that in your life when God has used you to be a witness to somebody and your influence in their life has led them to the Lord Jesus Christ and you know that you were used of God? Have you ever experienced that before? Like if there's nothing like it that fills the heart with joy and fulfillment to be used of God like that. There's all kinds of things that the Bible tells us, examples that tells us these are things that cause joy to be gained in our life, and not one of those things is related to self. Not one. But there's also things that can cause joy to be lost in the believer's life. Some circumstances in life are not always joyful, right? The life of Job, he was tested beyond measure. He was tested beyond anything that we've ever walked through. And we can walk through some hard things in life, some trials that are so hard to bear that it almost seems like, will it ever end and is this thing going to kill me? We've walked through those things. Job's life, though, is far worse in his testings. Not joyful. And there's other examples in the scriptures when when men fail and they're chastened of the Lord and the chastening for the present doesn't seem to be joyous, but grievous. There are circumstances in life sometimes that are not always joyful. However, there's a difference between going through unpleasant circumstances and actually losing your joy. Even in the middle of unpleasant circumstances, the Christian can still be joyful. You remember Paul and Silas when they were imprisoned in Acts chapter 16? The Bible says in Acts 16, 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God in the middle of their trial, in the middle of a Roman prison. And the prisoners heard them. And the result of that was that people got saved. What would happen if they were filled or consumed and controlled by their flesh? And complained in the middle of their trouble and had good, uh, not good things to say in the middle of their imprisonment. You understand what I'm saying? The way we respond and the way that we react to things in life, uh, listen, we can go through hard trials, but there's a difference between, between unpleasant circumstances and actually losing your joy, and it can make a difference in other people's life too based on how we respond. There are some things that can cause the saint of God to lose their joy, like sin in the life, for example. That can cause you to lose your joy. Why? Because we're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. We're grieving the Spirit of God. And we can lose that joy that is supposed to be ours, the joy of our salvation and the joy of the Lord. Why? Because we're not, we're not walking in accordance with and cooperation with the Spirit of God. A self-centered, selfish life can actually cause us to lose joy. The very opposite of what we're trying to do. Self-seeking, self-centered living will never produce the satisfaction, happiness, and contentment that we are after. 
getting our eyes off the Lord in troublesome circumstances that bring pain can cause us to lose our joy. The psalmist said, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? His answer was, Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. He's like, Get your eyes back on the Lord. We read in Psalm 16, which really is our text verse for tonight, or subtext, if you will. But Psalm 16 in verse 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. So the question is, and here's where I really wanted for us to go tonight. How can we experience joy How can we be joyful in this life? The psalmist says, in thy presence is the fullness of joy. Let's let's talk about that for a second. What does it mean to be full of joy? Or the word full here, it means to be replete. It means having within its limits all that it can contain. So there's no room for anything else. You understand that? So how is life filled to its limits so that there's no room for anything else with rejoicing, with gladness, with cheerfulness? That's the definition of the word joy, right? How is life filled to its limits so that there's no room for anything else? It cannot contain anything else. It's filled with rejoicing, gladness, and cheerfulness. How? First of all, does that describe your life? Does that describe my life? Well, Psalm 16:11 says, "In thy presence is the fullness of joy." So the first thing is by the presence of God. By God's presence in your life, that is how life can be filled to its limits with rejoicing, with cheerfulness. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 28, the Bible says, "Thou hast made me Uh, Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. So we find here that the, the Bible tells us that God will make us full of joy with his countenance. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. Without him... There can be no real gladness and cheerfulness. Now, there are momentary times of pleasure by, that, that we can receive by, from selfish living in the flesh, but there's no real inner radiating cheerfulness from the inside coming out. You ever known somebody who just, they just sort of radiate cheerfulness? always seem to have a smile on their face. They always seem to be giving. They always seem to be encouraging. They just seem to, they always seem to just have joy on their countenance, and it just seems to be radiating from them. Ever known somebody like that? I think it's more likely that we know the opposite in people. It just seems like they're grumpy. It just seems like they're cranky. And it just seems like there's a complaining and, and all the above. That's usually what we know or see in people. That's not what it's supposed to be. In the flesh, so often as soon as circumstances change, the temporary feelings are gone. 
instantly gone. I know, I'm like that too. And I don't like that. Real joy is something that comes about by being in the presence of God and walking with God. The, co the command of Galatians 5.16 is walk in the Spirit. The word walk means to live. It means to be occupied with. It means to abide. And so he's saying, uh, he's saying live. He's saying be occupied with. Abide in the Spirit. And the result is lasting joy that is produced by the Holy Spirit even in trial. And so listen, whenever that's the, the, the tendency in life and when people have this countenance about them and they just don't seem to be able to pull it together, they can't get it together, and there's just this, uh, just this uh, angst in their life and there's no joy in their life, listen, the problem is they're not in the presence of God. Yeah. That will make me to know joy. Thou wilt make me to know joy by thy countenance. In thy presence is the fullness of joy. How do we argue with that? Right? What's, and what's my problem then? My problem is I'm not close to the Lord. I'm not walking, living, abiding in the Spirit. Even in the midst of trial, how was Paul and Silas able to sing praise in the middle of their trial? It wasn't self-generated. It wasn't because their charismatic personalities were just happy all the time. It wasn't that. There's a story. It's told of Luther Bridges. Luther Bridges was the man who wrote the hymn, He Keeps Me Singing. We sing that sometimes here. And the story tells how he learned to find joy in the Lord. As a young pastor, he became widely known for his evangelism, for his sincerity. He had all kinds of invitations to preach all over the place. And those invitations were many. The future looked very bright for him. He was very popular. When he was 26 years old, he took his wife and his three young children to visit his wife's parents in Kentucky. It was a happy time of reunion when they met up with her family. They stayed up late that first night, uh, fellowshipping together, just the, the joy of the reunion together. As the evening went on, or as it became very late, they were very exhausted and from their travels, and so they went to sleep. They fell asleep very quickly. But it wasn't long, and they were soon awakened by the tragedy of fire. The entire house, when they woke up, was engulfed in flames. And he tells this story, how he managed to get himself out of the house, but he was unable to rescue his wife and his three sons as they were trapped inside. It was too late because the house was engulfed in flames. The roof was beginning to fall in. And that day, he lost his wife and his three boys. And what had started out as a joyous time together ended in deep, deep sorrow in his life. He thought, how am I going to go on? What am I going to do now? And he grieved over the loss of his family, 
But in his grief, he remembered that the Lord had promised songs even in the night. And he remembered that the Lord had promised that he would never leave him nor forsake him. And the story goes on that Luther Bridges began to write the words to the song, He Keeps Me Singing. And the song goes, There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low, Fear not, I am with thee. Peace, be still, in all of life's ebbs and flow. Though sometimes he leads through waters deep, trials fall across the way. Though sometimes the path seems rough and steep, I see his footprints all the way. Feasting on the riches of his grace. That's the divine enabling, by the way. Resting neath his sheltering wings, always looking on his smiling face. That is why I shout and sing. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. His joy was full, so that even tragedy could not consume him because he was in the presence of God, walking in the Spirit. And you know what? Sometimes the dark clouds of life are the thing that is all-consuming to us. Whatever trial we're walking through, that's the thing that's just consuming me. It consumes my every thought. It consumes my every moment. It just completely consumes my life. And the dark clouds of life are the thing that's just bearing over. But that is not what the Spirit of God produces. Not when we're in the presence of God. The answer is to be in and know the presence of the Lord. And when His presence is the thing that is all-consuming, then there's no room for anything else. Fullness of joy. I want to live like that. I really do. Like when you understand that truth and understand that principle, it's like, man, you know what? I miss out on so much. That's not really what describes my life, that it's filled to the brim with the presence of God so that there's no room for anything else. Trials are going to come because man is of a few days and full of trouble. That's just the fact of the matter. But when I'm walking in the Spirit and consumed with the presence of God, those things don't consume me or control me. I think that's a pretty powerful truth, honestly. Grumpy pants. <laughs> you put on the wrong pants today. Well, there's no need, and there's no reason, and there's, there ought not to be the thing that uh, identifies or, 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 what's the word, describes your life and mine. Another way that we experience joy and have joyfulness in life is not only by the presence of God, but it's also by the Word of God, God's Word. The Bible tells us in John chapter 15 and verse 10, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, 
even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. Jesus says, you keep my commandments, which is His word, as I've kept my Father's commandments, these things I've spoken unto you that my joy, that's the Holy Spirit, might remain in you and your joy might be full. You got a bad attitude? Got a grumpy demeanor about you? You probably haven't been feasting on the Word of God or been in the presence of God. Got a problem with an attitude? Got a problem with anger? Got a problem with this disposition about you? You just got a very poor disposition? You probably haven't been feasting on the Word of God or in the presence of God. There's another, and I'll just move on for the sake of time. God's people is another source or reason or way that we experience joy in our life. God's people. Fellowship of the saints. Second John verse 12 says, Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face that our joy may be full. John says, your presence, us fellowshipping together, brings joy into our life. Fellowship with God's people has a way of lifting and rejoicing the heart. I've experienced that so many times. You ever felt like, I don't want to go to church tonight. I don't feel like going to church tonight. <laughs> Newsflash, I've felt that way many times. I don't want to come to church with you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I do love to come to church, but there are times when you just don't feel like it. But I'm glad we're not to be controlled by our feelings, right? And then you show up to church, and you sing the songs, and you hear God's Word preached, and you talk to brothers and sisters in the Lord, and you leave a different way than when you came. And you're like, man, I'm really glad I went to church tonight. Why? Because the fellowship of the saints, and my wife's looking at me like, are you nuts? That's what she's looking at me like. That's the look on your face. I'm sorry. <laughs> she thinks I am. No, listen. The Word of God tells us these things, but so often we just we ignore it or we go by what we feel. We're controlled by those things. Obviously, we have those feelings sometimes. But you know what? When we have a desire to be obedient to the Lord. Even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to do it anyway. We leave refreshed from God's word, from God's house, from being around God's people. That's the way God's designed it. And amen for that. The Spirit of God produces joy for the child of God who abides in Him. Regardless of, number one, sorrow, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. Even sorrow and trial in life uh, should not... 
uh, touch or um, consume the child of God. We can experience joy regardless of sorrow. We can experience it regardless of trial. 1 Peter 1.16, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He says you greatly rejoice, even though now for a season it's hard. Even in spite of persecutions, in fact. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad. That's the definition of joy. For great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets. You know, many people base their happiness on their happenings and their circumstances. I'm happy as long as circumstances, as long as the happenings in my life are going well, then I'm happy. The Christian's joy ought to be based on his relationship to Jesus Christ and yielding to the Spirit, because circumstances aren't always going to be happy. And the moment that the circumstances change, so does their mood. You know what I'm saying? Happenings and circumstances change from day to day, but Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He gave us what it means to have true joy. Salvation through Jesus Christ, sanctification through His Word, being filled with the Spirit of God. True joy is actually a spiritual thing and not a physical thing. That's where we need to live, right there. Romans 4, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that, is in these, or for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. That's what Paul says, the kingdom of God it's not meat and drink. It's not temporal things. It's not physical things. It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So true joy is actually a spiritual thing, not a physical thing. It's not based on circumstance. Circumstances throughout life, including trials and temptations, tragedy, loss of loved ones, poor health, financial loss, all those things... We can imagine they bring heaviness of heart, but the true Christian character is still one of joyfulness despite circumstances. Why? Because it's produced by the Spirit of God, not self-generated. The joy of God is what actually can dispel any care because our joy is not found in things, but in Him. Serving God with visible joy and gladness, serving God with a sweet spirit. You know people who just seem to have a sweet spirit and they serve God with joy and with gladness? That is evidence of a heart that is walking in the spirit. The opposite is, oh, I got to do this again. I got to go to the church. I got to do this. And they're like, 
complaining, begrudging. I think you get what I'm talking about. Joy is a gift from God. Amen. Something that God gives us. We should not let Satan steal it. Or let ourselves steal it, rob ourselves of it through our flesh. Fear of the Spirit is joy. Amen. In the presence of God, there's fullness of joy. No room for anything else. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Amen. I'm asking the Lord to help me to live that way too. And if we walk in the Spirit, there's the answer. God will produce it in us. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for its truth. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to live it, to prove it, and to make it mine. Lord, we thank you that you've given it to us, and it instructs us in righteousness. It teaches us. Sometimes it reproves us and corrects us. All of that is profitable for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you've provided. And I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to be people who are walking in the Spirit, abiding in the presence of God. Lord, that you would develop that Christ-like character in us, that our life would be so full of the Lord, less and less self, more and more you, that these this fruit that the Spirit of God produces just radiates from God's people. Lord, I pray that you would help us to live in that realm, in the spiritual realm, by your grace, in Jesus' name.